Sloan. Good morning from Coolidge, Arizona on September the 23rd, 2018. So far, we have introduced the Creator to you. That tells us where we came from. Uh, we have defined the true original sin, having begun amongst the living host in God's quarters as Satan. We've defined that in several lessons, so we don't need to go back over that. I need to ask a question right now. Do any of you have a desire to obey and serve the Creator? Because now we have to turn to you. That's the third part of our overall outline. Not just where we, where did I come from and why am I here. Now, where am I going? And that's what we're beginning uh, last week. Where am I going? And the Bible has the answer to that. Nobody else does. Nobody else ever has had. Only the scriptures have an answer to that question. And if you go any, anywhere else, you're off the wrong trail. You're going to be lost. You're wasting your time. There's only one answer to where we came from. There's only one answer to why I am here. And there's only one answer, where am I going? And you have to decide the answer to that. Now, <clears throat> As Satan and the host of heaven were in opposite viewpoints as to how they looked at God. The host of heaven desired to obey and serve the Creator. We've read that scriptures. We don't need to read that again. We've been over and over some of these facts. And... Uh, but Satan rebelled against it. He rebelled against the spirit and the nature of the Creator, thus justifying his end in eternal destruction. That's a summary of where we've been. Now, what makes any of us think that we have any business with the heavenly host? Because they've been there all the time. And... When the physical world is gone, they'll still be there, and we may or may not join with them because that's who we join up with, are the heavenly host. See, we can gain individually what Satan lost. We can gain it because of our faith believing what God has said about things that we cannot see, whereas Satan rejected God having seen him, and his punishment is irrevocable. That's the basis of Scripture. You take that away, you neutralize it, you falsify it, you have nothing left, we throw it all away. That is the answer. What Satan lost becomes our gain because that's how God arranged it. You have the potential 
of being everything that Satan was without his evil and joining the host of heaven as it was prior to the creation. Now, when we reach that state, that state represents that place that we introduced last week where all of our human capabilities are fully satisfied. Folks, that's the definition of life. Where there are no needs in fulfilling any potential, only the fulfillment of that potential. All of your human capabilities are fully satisfied. That's what represents life. Why we want to live. Why we want others to live. The joy of life. The purpose of life. All find its fulfillment after death. Not during this life. We are always limited We have needs which get in our way. But there, only the potential is fulfilled. There is no junk in heaven. Let's turn to John 6.38 to begin with today. I have notes that have been given out to you as supplements for today. Um, I type those out one letter at a time. It took about four hours. But nevertheless, uh, they're probably a little inadequate, but it gives us some direction. But John 6, 38, first of all, we we get the foundational premise. We're building on where we were last week. Last week is a critical lesson. Listen to it and listen to it again. And then listen to it a third time. The third time may be the charm. Till it comes together, uh, if, if I've made some errors uh, in discussing it, why, uh, we'll get those corrected, but uh, I, I think not. John 6:38. Jesus said, I have come down from heaven. That tells you his origin. I have come down from heaven to get my own way. Well, that's why you live, isn't it? To get your own way? Yeah. But he came down from heaven not not to do his own way, not to get his own way, not to do his own will. That shows that there are two persons involved here but the will of him who sent me. So he came down out of heaven, out of heaven, to do whose will? And that's going to result in where we're going now. Look at the next verse. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise, but raise up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, 
that all should die and perish because they have no value. Eternal life. That's not what it says. Some of you think that way, and some of you don't care one way or the other, and some of you are just as indifferent as you can be today, and you need to you need to shape up because you're going to face God too, folks. This is the will of my Father that everyone who beholds the Son. Now, now that's not just the person, but that's who the Son is. And remember last week's lesson and the previous week's lesson on the blasphemy of the Spirit talks about the blasphemy of the Spirit of the Son relating to how you think about Jesus. And some of you put him on a, a secondary rung rather than at the top of the ladder. You've got, you've got hung up on a philosophy or a way of life. Folks, that isn't the answer. Or tradition, or your upbringing, or your previous thinking. Everyone who beholds the Son believes in Him and believes in Him will have a miserable, worthless life. And eternal here isn't having to do with time as it deals with the quality of the life that you have while you live. Even though it's the same word, but the word age always has to do with more than just the time frame, but what's going on in that time frame. Maximize. Between those two points. The, the maximum potential between those two points. And David, great, great addition to your lesson are the previous lessons that we had on what believes means. And, and, and that believes is not an emotion, but it actually describes an action. Describes, or a series, an, a series of actions. That's right. A continuing series of actions that lead us into the right place the place that we talked about last week which was the place of Abraham. I mean, we know that the demons believe, right, and they shudder. Sure. Isn't that the description of what... You know what the problem with this scripture is? There's so many keys in there, you don't know which one to put in first. Well, isn't that true? And I think the keys are all equal. So I don't know as, as the placement of them is essential, but the, the application of them is certainly widespread. Certainly great, great yep. teaching. Just really, really, uh, just grips the matter right where we want it. So the, the problem here is we'll have life, a life of quality and without end. Now that's added somewhere else. And then he'll be raised up at the last day. So meaning here that he's talking about life here, but... We have other applications of it where it means that he died not to bring life here to its maximum, that, but that this maximum life can be carried on infinity, throughout infinity, infinitively. All right, let's go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse... Did you get a note? Did you get a copy of this, these notes? No, it's okay. Uh, 
I have them. Now, what's it do? Okay, um, John eight fifty one. Truly, truly, I say to you. That means there's a big question mark, right? <laughs> if anyone keeps my word, now you see we have later now, just two chapters down the road, we have him adding a dimension. We haven't had this dimension before. So specifically, truly, truly, this is certain. It is an absolute truth. If anyone keeps my word, oh, there's a condition. He will never see death. Never see death. He does not mean that you won't die physically. He means exactly what you think he is saying, that you will never see the end of life even if you die. Never, never, never. The word never is emphasized uh, here um, actually into the age of never ending. That's critical because, folks, what we're talking about is that quality of life. And some of you think you have life now, but you've missed the boat because it's not been focused on what we're teaching right now that it relates to Christ and where he brings us as to the lesson we had last week, which I cannot separate, but we can't keep going back over those things. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure you do. So now let's go to John eleven twenty six. <clears throat> John eleven chapter twenty six. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never and we might add, in the traditional form, never ever. He will never die. Never die. The proof of that is that Jesus was raised from the dead to demonstrate to us that we never die. There is life after death. We must get serious about that because how you think now determines your life after you physically die and you all will physically die there are no exceptions Lazarus who had been raised from the dead died he's not still with us Jesus was raised from the dead, never to die again, to demonstrate to us that there is life after death. We are preparing you for life after death. And we have to live a certain way in the meantime, but the 
the biggest issue is how you think about Christ. And we talked about that three weeks ago, too. We brought a whole lesson on that, so, you know, don't forget. So what do we have so far in this transition period of going to, now it is what happens to me. Where do I have to be? What do I have to do? Now we turn to you. You see, the bottom line is life. Now, I want to add a dimension because the source of that bottom line, of course, is Christ, but it really is airship. You have no life apart from being a fellow heir with Christ and with the heavenly host. And the qualifier that what have we been so far? The bottom line is what? I hear you. I hear you. It's life. Life. Life without end. The source of that life is being with equal and unequal terms with the heavenly host and with uniquely Christ. And the qualifier, that which qualifies us for that, is that we are in the state of perpetual forgiveness until we die. That's why baptism isn't the essential thing. It is what we are baptized into that's essential. We are baptized into forgiveness. It's a state that we must be in in order to appreciate and to inherit the promises. That's the condition. Now, with that having been said, let's go to Hebrews 1, 2. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2. So the bottom line is life. The source of that bottom line is being a joint heir with both Christ and the heavenly host that ties that all together. And thirdly, the qualifier is that we must be in and remain in the state of forgiveness. That seems pretty simple, but that's the three points that you have to remember. The Bible is built around. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, of which we're talking about right now, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. That's the key now. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to be talking about heirship. We introduced it last week. Now we have to develop it more fully. Whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Not of person, but of his nature. That's why we can't speak against his nature, because it represents the nature of God. 
that constitutes the forgive the uh, the blasphemy of the spirit. And we talked about that last week. It's divided between the spirit of God, which Satan committed, and the spirit of Christ, which man commits. And if he does so on a perpetual basis, then he has removed himself from the state of forgiveness. We dare not do that, folks. We dare not do that. You dare not put Christ on a second round when he's first place. He hath made purification of sin. That's why, that's why he died on the cross, to make purification of sin. And he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That was his position, having become as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. And we share in that destiny. Uh, being joint heirs with Christ in a realm of the heavenly host. They don't go away. Oh, no. They don't disappear. When the earth winds down and it finds its end through the second law of thermodynamics, and someday it will, the heavenly host don't go away. They're eternal beings in the vernacular that we use, that word. They're permanent beings as Satan was until he violated his position toward God. We become equal to Christ through the inheritance. And I want to say something about the inheritance. An inheritance is someone who achieves the benefit of what someone else has provided. One of the, one of the Beatitudes, I think uh, Neil mentioned it last week in, on the Sunday message, that uh, there are those who inherit. Wait, what, what was that Beatitude, do you remember? That's my mind, but they but they uh, they inherit the kingdom. Inherit the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. Those who are tamed. The word meek means uh, is an animal word. It came from a circus background, and it means the animals that have been trained. Those who have been trained are those who inherit the benefits of that training. Remember this, folks, that when you train yourself to appreciate music, who is the beneficiary of the music that's being provided? You are. That's a definition of inheritance. A definition of what? Inheritance. Oh, inheritance. We inherit... When it, it means that you haven't done the work, but you inherit the benefits of the work done. When you see a beautiful building, a beautiful home, and it's been built proportionately and nicely designed, and beautiful coloring, architectural design, you appreciate that. Your appreciation is your is that part of that building that you inherit because you have been trained to appreciate that value. You, you find a good cook, and uh, 
when you inherit the benefit of that cook, and I, I've got to say that I don't know of anybody that can cook like Lori, uh, <laughs> Lori Williams, but, you know, when, when you inherit, when you enjoy the benefit of that meal, that the taste and the flavor and the value of that food, you are the inheritor of what someone else has known and accomplished. You see the point? So when we inherit from God joint heirship with Christ, we are inheriting the benefits of that which has been provided by somebody else. And to be tamed, to bring ourselves into a trained position to where we can appreciate that is really maximizing that inheritance. So when he says we are, um, he has the, oh, I, the verse there is uh, slipped down, whom he, uh, ha, whom he has appointed heir of all things. All things. Now let's fine tune that. Let's get ourselves involved in that. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. For the scripture says this to Pharaoh. No, I'm in the wrong chapter. That figures. Let's go to chapter 8, verse 17. And if children... Well, let's go. The Spirit itself, if you have a himself there, that is a misprint. It should be itself. Testifies with our spirit, because our spirit is who we are. The Spirit is who God is, and when they match, then that is our testimony that we are children of God. See, our spirit matches with God's spirit. If children, if we are children, then we are what? Then we are heirs also. Heirs also. And fellow heirs with whom? With Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Now, we need to look at verse 17. Because they're, they're, first of all, we must have it clear in our mind. We have to be children. If we're going to be heirs, we have to be children. If you're not a child by birth or by adoption, right? You're not an inheritor. Now, there can be special provisions made, but we're not talking about those right now, either naturally or by adoption. And in this case, we are adopted as children. Scripture teaches that. First of all, we are children of God, and if children, then because we are children, we are heirs. We inherit what somebody else has provided. We inherit what the parents have saved up and produced. We inherit what God has provided for us. Folks, that bottom line is what? 
life. We inherit life. Life abundantly. And through being joint heirs with Christ. And Christ has inherited all things, including the heavenly host. He has not He has not inherited a physical universe that's in decay. He has inherited everything that is permanent and infinite. We join with him in that inheritance when we are children, heirs of God and heirs with Christ and everything that represents the infiniteness of eternity. I don't know how anyone can beat that. That's why we are Christians today, folks. It isn't because we have or don't have music. It isn't because we have or don't have potlucks. It isn't because we have or don't have a building. It isn't because of this or that or anything else. Or that is popular. But we are children if our spirit aligns with the Spirit of God, and you see, Satan rejected that, and so what was his destiny? Eternal destruction. We are joint heirs with God and with Christ. Folks, if there is ever an objective of why you ought to want to be a Christian, I don't know anything that surpasses that. Let's look look at Ephesians chapter 3. Now this is adding another dimension in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 6 to be specific. Well, I might say that verse 5, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, but now it has been made revealed to his holy apostles. Not to you, not to me, not to the preacher down the street. And his prophets, in spirit, in their spirit, there's no article there, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Oh, we get to be included with the Jews. Those who are fellow heirs with God because they are children of God. Now we have been added to that. That was the unique secret that was never made known because the law clouded their minds that somehow because they had a covenant that nobody else could have a covenant with God. But now that barrier has been taken out of the way and the Jew and Gentile are left in the holy place with the curtain ripped out between them and they're staring each other in the face. That ought to be an awesome experience. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body. You see, there's that fellow members, fellow heirs. Same word. Fellow members of what? We have to be in the body because that represents those in our geographic area who are heirs because they are children. Fellow, now notice, 
fellow partakers of the promise. Do you remember last week? Or have you already forgotten? Last week was the pinnacle. Last week we discussed the, the very pinnacle of the point that the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel was made to whom? And included whom? And on what basis? It was made to whom? In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 through 3. Abraham. Abraham. And that the promise was identified then as to what it would be. And that is that there would be a place where all of those who were children would be what? Spoken well of. Why is that so critical? Folks, you kind of, I'll tell you, I, I have seen people just kind of, well, that doesn't mean anything to me. What does that mean? Well, that's the whole heart of the gospel. For God to speak well of you is the means whereby God's spirit is released, his energy is released, and brings to life at death all of those who are his children. You don't want to forget Genesis chapter 3 and, and, uh, and chapter 12, and uh, particularly chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, and 1 Peter 3, 9, which says the very purpose of God, the whole purpose of God, was the fulfillment of that promise made to Abraham. And some of you have never talked to anybody about it. Have you ever talked to anybody about, are you an Abraham? Have you ever talked to anybody asking them, what promises were made to Abraham? Shameful. Let's look at Hebrews 11.9. We are so arrogant in things that don't matter and so timid in things that do matter. Why is that? Hebrews 11 and verse 9. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise. That's right. It just says faith. He sojourned into the land, the land of promise, as a strange country, in tabernacles dwelling, human tabernacles dwelling with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the promise. So this ties us back to Abraham again. Let me read it again. By, by faith, or it doesn't say by faith, just faith. Faith. Because, folks, you take out, out, that out of the Bible, you've got nothing left. If you can't discuss with your neighbor your views of faith, you haven't got anything to talk about and you ought not be talking to them because you're wasting your breath. I'm not, in, I'm not intending to be nice. 
but I'm intending you to be true. And folks, we need to get serious about the right thing. Death is quickly approaching all of us. By, by faith, that's because it's in the English, faith. He lived, and that's a word within itself, faith. He lived as an alien in the land of promise. Fellow heirs with the same promise. And what that means is that he is participating as Abraham, the one to whom the promise was given. He gets to partake with all of us who participate in that promise. You see, look at verse 13. All of these died in faith, having received the promise. Oops, I missed it here. Without receiving the promise, but having seen them and having recognized, I welcomed them from a distance. And what's their distance? Their distance is time and covenant. They were in a distant covenant. Having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. If, they'd been see- if they had been thinking of that country from which they came out of, they would have had opportunity to return. But no, no, no. God is not ashamed in the pre- previous, uh, uh, future verse here. God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This is the city, the object of Abraham. That's referred to as the church of Jesus Christ. The inheritance, the promise, folks, they're all together. They all fit. Let's look at Ephesians 1.8. Now, by the way, these notes were all given to you. Um, and uh, hopefully you have, have had them printed out. Let, let's look at verse 18 in closing today. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. I don't need to know who's going to win the next election. Now, I might care... But I don't need to know that because it's not going to make any difference as to what we're talking about. We're talking about the things that are so supreme to the materialism of politic, of the political world, so far superior that they don't even hold a match. There, there's not even a light. There's not even a, there's not even, well, there isn't even that. It's just devoid of anything that has life involved in it. May our heart, the eyes of our heart, that's the understanding of your heart, be enlightened, educated, so that you will know what is the hope Well, if you haven't talked about Abraham, maybe you've talked about hope. Well, you can't talk about, well, I hope that we become more like China. That doesn't make any difference. 
There are people in China that have a lot, you know, the same kind of hope. There are people, you know what? There are young people in China that because they faith, their faith is known, what they are required to do on Sundays, because that's the day when the Chinese Christians assemble, they're required to go out and scrub the stones in the street with a toothbrush. They're willing to do that because hope means something to them. And I dare say that there's a lot of folks in our churches today who don't have a, a, a breath of that kind of hope. Notice what it says. That's not the end of that verse. That you will know what is the hope of his calling. You will know that hope. See, this all ties together. The Bible is so beautiful in its harmony. It all fits. The hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? He's talking here about what we inherit because we are co-inheritors with whom? Christ. And therefore with the heavenly host. And therefore initially by God himself. We are partakers of that. We, and so as saints, the glory, the recognition that is involved in the inheritance. So inheritance is a key word here. We'll talk more about that last week, uh, next week, possibly. But we need to fo- focus on what is our inheritance. We are in, we are inheritors because we are children. We are children because our spirit is aligned with God's spirit. We're concerned with the things that God is concerned with. We are devoted to the things that God is devoted with and for. That is our commitment. We are children of His. We are co-inheritors then with both Him and with Christ. And because we're in Christ, we are with all that He inherited, which are the heavenly host. Folks, that's a big picture. That's the reason why everyone ought to consider being a Christian today and a New Testament Christian and one that is serious about the things and matters of God. Father, we thank you today that we have had an opportunity to express the importance of where we're going in this life and how we can get there. May we be committed to being the inheritors of the blessing made to Abraham. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.